It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hello, everyone. I am Captain Tim. All right, guys. Happy New Year. We are back with another episode. Again, trying to get in a routine with the New Year. Um, both of us have done some fishing. So I guess it's been probably close to three weeks. Um, I had a bout with the coronavirus, the holidays, this and that. So we are hopefully ready to get back on a routine. And I know I've been saying that for like three months now. So um, bear with us. And I will let Tim start. Tim, it's been a while, but have you done some fishing? I've done a little fishing. Um, I'll, I'll kind of combine it into one trip. I actually did a lot of fishing. Um, I fished for like five days straight um, in between Christmas and New Year's, all of which was in Homosassa Springs, Florida, and uh, um, out in the Gulf of Mexico, outside of the Homosassa River out there. So I know listeners have heard me talk about scalloping out of Homosassa, and I may have talked a little bit about the fishery up there in the river last year, but uh, this time last year. But um, my family, we spend uh, the pretty much four or five days before New Year's up until New Year's uh, on the river, hanging out, um, socializing, just having a good time. We've been doing this since I was before I was born. So it's almost like a second home to me. So I know the river pretty well. I know the fishery pretty well. Um, the cool thing about Homosassa Springs is that it's a spring. The river is spring fed and it leads out to the Gulf of Mexico. So the spring water comes out of the ground at 72 degrees Fahrenheit and leads out the river into the Gulf of Mexico. So manatees and saltwater fish who want to warm up will actually come up into the river. So we're catching mullet, jack creval, snook, and snapper all up in 100% freshwater spring-fed um, river. So it's, it's a pretty cool uh, fishery. You never know what you're going to get up in there. Primarily, it's, it's like I mentioned, the, the mangrove snapper. We always do well with jacks. We usually do well with the drum species, um, black drum and red drum. Sometimes you do well with trout, but this year, the snapper bite was really good. Um, generally speaking, Tanner, most of the, the better fishing years come on the cold, cold winters because those fish will seek that warmer water. So they're a little more comfortable. This year has been very mild. It's been pretty warm. So I was very surprised to see how good the bite was. Um, not many manatees up in the spring, but tons of mangrove snapper. Um, pretty much we got our limit every day if we wanted to. We were throwing back anywhere between um, 12 to 14 inch snapper regularly. Um, you know, these are inshore snapper up in the spring water. Um, pretty, pretty good fishing. Um, we didn't keep our limit every day just because who needs that much fish? Um, the family was there. We were all eating on it. We pretty much primarily only eat seafood when we're there, but, uh, we had a great time fishing live shrimp, catching a, a ton of these snapper. My father-in-law caught a nice redfish. We caught some nice jacks. My nephew caught a really nice jack. So, you know, just fun fishing for the whole family. Um, my niece, who's super young, she was pulling, you know, keeper snapper up into the boat left and right. So 
um, just, just a nice time. We had great weather, um, great company, and, and it's something that we really enjoyed doing. Um, the, the type of fishing we do up there is just with really light tackle, you know, 15 or 20 pound test fluorocarbon leaders, size one, maybe one on hooks and pieces of live shrimp. So you may be thinking, how do you keep the shrimp alive? Because it's fresh water and the, the um, shrimp live in salt water. We don't put them in the live well. We just use salt water and, and aerators or bubblers. So um, the live shrimp aren't critical. I do find that they work better, but fresh deads or frozen shrimp also work. So um, good trip. We, we did make it out to the Gulf, actually, where it's, you know, um, fully salt water uh, one time. And we ended up catching some really nice um, spotted sea trout, um, brought those back. So it was a, a nice array, a ton of fishing, a ton of time on the boat. I don't know how many hours we put on the boat on that engine. I probably need to pull maintenance just after this last trip, but um, nice trip. And uh, we, uh, we enjoy it quite a bit. So good fish. We ate on fish and um, can't wait to go back next year. Yeah, Tim, I, you know, I have so many questions. I think I, I don't think it was Homosassa, but I know it was one of those other springs in the north central Gulf um you know somewhere in between crystal river and tampa and we went there and there when i was a uh, probably in middle school or high school and there was basically like an aquarium at the back of the spring and you could look in there and there were snapper snook drum sheep's head and redfish and presumably it was pure fresh water now first thing i want to ask you so this water was brackish or you think it's totally fresh well, up in the springhead where we're doing the snapper fishing, we're all the way up as close as you can get um, to the actual springhead itself where the water is exiting, uh, coming out of the ground. Uh, they keep the, the really, um, like right at the springhead itself, they keep it kind of quarantined off. So only manatees can go up in there. It's kind of a safe haven for them. It's a manatee um, relief zone. So fishermen and, and people diving and swimming recreation folks aren't, aren't harassing the manatees. So that's kind of their safe haven, but we're in crystal clear water. I mean, this is gin clear water. You could drink it. Um, if you wanted to, it is, <clears throat> it is very clean at that point at the springhead. I do think it is, you know, 99, hundred percent fresh water. You know, the further you go out towards the Gulf, the darker the water gets, it's not as clear anymore. It gets brackish and then finally salty. So um, where we were catching these snapper, yeah, I, I think it is. Um, it's it's very very fresh. That's that's really cool. You know, I, I don't think enough can be said about how impressive mangrove snapper are at kind of carving out niches ecologically, anywhere from freshwater springs to you know. I think we've caught them off Miami in 250 feet of water at the bottom, you know, it's, it's the same fish species that has such a wide range of different places it can live. So I, I think that's really awesome that you were able to, to pull those snappers out. And it's interesting, the live shrimp. Now, do you still see freshwater fish? Are you seeing bass? Are you seeing bluegill around those snapper? Not so much running in the same schools per se with the snapper, but if, if, um, if you were to fish certain areas up in that spring, we've caught uh, largemouth bass um, on, on numerous occasions. We didn't really do a whole lot of, of that type of fishing um, this time. My brother always gets a kick out of going by the docks and skipping jigs up to the docks and you never know what you're gonna pull out. 
could pull out a snapper on one cast, a large mouth on the next cast and a snook. You know, um, we didn't get any of those bass, but historically we do. We do catch bass up in the spring and then out towards the Gulf, just a little bit, not very far, um, just because I did mention it does get more brackish and leading into the, the salt water. But yeah, um, I, I know there's bluegill somewhere in there. Um, when I used to snorkel as a kid, we used to see them, but I don't really go in the water that much anymore. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's gar and stuff too. So it's, um, it's pretty diverse. Now, what about the snook? Did you, uh, did you see any snook this time? Yeah, we did see some snook. Um, the snook bite wasn't crazy. Usually once the sun goes down, we kind of shift from catching snapper. Um, the snapper bite actually gets better, but we shift from catching snapper to throwing, um, big jerk baits for snook, um, this time we didn't really get into the snook. It, it was all jack dominated. We were getting really nice jack crevals and um, couldn't couldn't get it past the jacks to get to those snook. But I know they're there. We saw some, but I just didn't catch any personally. Well, Tim, you know it sounds like a really awesome trip and a great time with uh, family. You know, I'm I'm really jealous. Uh, and yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we do enjoy it. You know, there's there's a, a lot of time on the water, like I said, a lot of time with family. It's something we all look forward to. And kind of thinking back, uh, we, we actually didn't go last year because of uh, coronavirus. So um, listeners, this is probably the first time you've heard about me in my winter Homosassa trip. But um, Tanner, I know you also did some traveling uh, over into Texas, I believe. Um, what can you tell me about that? Yeah, so um, my wife's family is from Texas, and we went to Plano, which is a suburb of Dallas. And while we were there, my father-in-law is a big uh, fly fisherman. So, you know, I recently got the fly rod. I was hoping to do some fly fishing there. So we went um, to a little pond in her neighborhood, and I was able to catch a bluegill on a fly. So you know, adding a fly to the list. But then um, when we were at the, there's an Orvis fly shop very close to her parents' house. And I went there to pick up some flies to bring back to Florida. And they mentioned that there was a, a pond stocked with trout that was about 30 minutes from her parents' house. So, you know, her dad had just gotten a new fly rod, wanted to try it out. So we decided we were going to go to this pond stocked with trout. And, you know, when we're there, I obviously don't have a car, so I'm not able to get up there. You know, I like to fish 15 minutes before the sunrise. When I'm going with my wife and my father-in-law, you know, it's closer to 9, 9.30. Um, we're getting to the spot. And the way this park was set up, there was only one area that was stocked with trout. And it was like a, a little dock, and it was just swamped with people. Um, and all we had was that fly, that one fly rod. So I was even further limited by the fact that I couldn't really cast with the fly rod like I wanted to, because there was people all around, but there were a lot of trout. They were all stocked. Um, so people were catching them and keeping them. They were not very big. I think the biggest one I saw was probably 10 inches, but people with bread balls were catching a lot. Um, I threw the fly rod for a couple hours with no luck. Um, then my wife comes over and just pulls a rainbow right out of the middle of the school. Uh, so, you know, I guess I was very happy for her that she was able to get that rainbow trout on the fly, but I, uh, I have yet to 
to get a rainbow trout. I did hook up on a largemouth, um, but as soon as I pulled out of the water, the the hook came out. So it was it was really cool. You know, I know if we're in Texas again, I definitely would like to try to make my way back because you know there is a lot of trout in this little pond. It was in uh, Allen, Texas. Um, is the name of the of the town where the the stock trout are in the Dallas area. But I think it's the only pond in the whole Dallas area where the state um, actually stocks rainbow trout. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Um, you know, you mentioned trout. I figured it was rainbow trout, and you confirmed that. But um, it it gets cold enough there for the rainbows. Obviously, I mean, if they're living there, that was pretty surprising. Yeah, you know, the weather in Dallas is really weird, you know, it, it gets cold so fast, the way it sits on the plains, and there's no mountains, you know, they just get times where it'll get freezing. So when it's hot, it's hotter than Florida, but it gets a lot colder. And it, it never stays cold for very long. But I guess it, it does keep that water temperature low enough to, to get those trout at least through the winter. And you know, I think that by the time the winter is over, enough people have uh, filled their coolers as to where there's really not too many trout left in those ponds uh, when summertime rolls around. Yeah. Now, now that one trout that your wife caught, lucky girl, I know that that was a bittersweet for you if you're over there working your tail off trying to get one and she gets one. Um, did you guys keep that or did you let it go or give it away just because you only had that one? No, we let it go. You know, she really doesn't like killing fish anyways. And it was, it was about seven inches long. So it was okay. not a, a very big trout anyways. I can't imagine it would have had too much uh, meat on its bones. So we, we let that cute little thing go uh, to get caught by another angler and taken home for dinner the next day. There you go. I, uh, I'm really jealous of the, uh, the Orvis shop. I love Orvis. They're a really cool company. You know, got a lot of good gear. I have a lot of their stuff and, um, you know, good on them for, for, you know, enlightening you guys and saying, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a stock pond down the way that, that you didn't know about. That, that's cool that they were able to provide that as a resource. Yeah. Everyone there was very helpful and very knowledgeable. You know, they gave me some recommendations for flies that I can try in saltwater. Um, I, I don't know. That seems like a great job. If you're an angler and you work in retail, all of these people that were working there were like telling me about all these crazy fly trips. Oh yeah. You know, bonefish in Belize and like fishing the Columbia river for trout. Like, I, I don't know how it works, but I mean, you know, if, if I was looking for a retail job, I think Orvis would have to be at the top of my list. Yeah. They got a, they got really good gear. It's expensive, but it's, it's good quality stuff. And uh, it seems like they do some some really fun things. So uh, that, that's awesome. Like I said, I'm jealous that there's a store that you were able to get by one because there's none around here. And if there were, I'd probably be in trouble. Yep. And was that, well, was that uh, what you were able to get into? Oh. Yeah. So just this past weekend, uh, we got back to Miami. You know, I was actually had a couple trips planned to go fish the bay with my dad around New Year's. But I came down with the Omicron uh, version of COVID-19. So I had to cancel both those trips and I was locked down for several days. Um, but this past weekend, I was able to get out. On um, the first day, I wanted to try a spot I'd scouted out on Google Maps and I'd seen a lot of other people on YouTube posting videos. It's a spillway that's kind of back in the woods. It's about a mile, mile and a half from the nearest parking lot. 
So I, I figured there wouldn't be a lot of people out there. And I was very wrong. There were people everywhere. Um, and the weather conditions were not good either. So um, the, the, it was a spillway, and the spillway was all the way open. Um, so I tried to fish in the spillway. I had a couple nibbles. Um, I saw a lot of big mullet, and they would not bite. Or I mean, they, they were too deep for me to throw the cast net on them. I saw a couple of snook, but uh, I don't think those snook were going to hit anything but the live mullet. And the live mullet were just unattainable with what I had brought with me. You know, maybe if I would have had a bigger snag hook, I could have caught them. But they were, you know, five, six, seven feet underwater, just up current from the spillway. Um, I saw some other people catching jacks, but I'd heard that you can catch bonefish, drum, and pompano at this spot. So it, it's a spot that I may try. I might try again um, if the conditions are similar. You know, I prefer fishing on the coast, but this is a little bit back up in um, in the spillways. So it was good to try. It was good to see, and I may go back, but the, the conditions were just too bad. It was too windy, rainy, um, and once you started to walk out towards the bay, it was just so rough. That's pretty wild, um, all those different types of fish right there at the spillway. I know that it's a... Uh, it's a different world down there, and, and it seems like there must be something good going on, you know, to have that many people willing to walk that far in order to try to catch some fish. Um, pretty interesting spot. I'd definitely be intrigued about going back. One, a couple of inches. So um, I, on the way back, I did see some peacock bass as well, but um, I was throwing the cast net to try to catch those mullet, and I ended up catching a very bizarre fish called a pike killifish. Um, it basically looks like a mud minnow with the face of a pike. Um, it's a very odd-looking fish, you know, very sharp teeth. I think they're originally from Panama, and they're just introduced to Miami. Um, so it was really interesting to see one of those get that in the cast net. Couldn't get those peacocks to bite. So on the way home, I just stopped at another spillway um, in that same area that I'd had luck at in the past, um, and I caught a handful of mangrove and dog snappers just to kind of get the stink off of me because i i did spend several hours at that first spillway uh with no luck yeah it's nice that you were able to at least catch something and and uh not go home skunk yeah those uh those killifish are pretty wild we we have the killifish over here um i think they call them tiger killies or striped killies or something um i don't know if they're native or not but they're great bait um, we used to get into them in the backwater and, and cast net them in really, really shallow mud flats up next to the mangroves. And then, um, we'd pitch them out into the deep water and just slam the snook back when I was a kid. They were really, really good baits. And they, yeah, they look very, forever. they look very similar to those, but they just have that long toothy beak instead of a typical killifish mouth. Yeah. The, the, those killies, I mean, you could keep them in a bucket of water that was a hundred degrees. And they'd stay alive. I, I, they're pretty, pretty wild fish uh, to be able to do that. Absolutely. Um, so last trip after that, the next morning, um, I, I wanted to try because it was so windy by the coast. The waves were so big. Um, I wanted to go into the Everglades and see if I could at least do something with uh, fresh water. So uh, I met up with our mutual friend, Jimmy, 
Um, and he lives about an hour and a half north of me. So we found a spot kind of in the middle on the Everglades. And I've always wanted to put him on the peacock bass. And so we went to my favorite peacock bass spot in the Everglades. And we caught five peacocks. Uh, I think we caught about 10 Oscars. And I caught one of the biggest mudfish I've ever caught in my life. And then I, I think we caught three largemouth as well. So, you know, fishing from shore, just trying a couple little spots in the Everglades uh, for a couple hours in the morning. Haven't gotten peacocks in a couple months, so it was it was fun to get a couple of those. Yeah, that's cool. Um, go out and get a bunch of different fish and, and uh, get a personal best or close to it on that mudfish. Now, you say the Everglades, like what part, if you don't mind sharing, I mean, the Everglades to me, I think of just pretty much all of South Florida, you know, Alligator Alley and South, or is that kind of nearby, like big Cypress area or, or where were you at? So I was on Alligator Alley. Um, I just, you know, if you've ever driven on 75 from South Florida, East coast to West coast, um, you'll just see like little pull-offs periodically off the side of the road. So I just pull over on the side of 75 um, and basically any sort of boat ramps, docks um, that are all public, they're maintained by the state. Um, those all have peacock bass and Oscar under them. Now, when you, when you get into the main channel of those canals, if you do have a boat, um, you get a lot more largemouth. But around those man-made structures, those docks um, and places like that, there's a lot of Oscars and peacocks. Yeah, I've seen those recreational areas and there seems to be quite a few of them, you know, down there. It's, it's a really nice access um, for different, you know, boaters and whatnot and people, recreational fishermen. Um, I kind of asked because in March, I'm going to be heading down to Big Cypress. I'm going to be camping for a couple of days in the wildlife management area and I may have to bring a fishing pole and uh, try to get on some of those peacocks or, or something different. I know the fishery is pretty wild down there, so um, I'm anxious to try it out. Um, done a little bit of it before, but just, you know, bring a rod. Why not? Yeah, hey, maybe if I'm around, I'll come uh, meet you out there one day. I've actually never really fished Big Cypress. I've driven through it a lot um, to get to Chuckalusky, but never really fished um, any of those main. There's one spot I fished which is like just past Big Cypress on the Miami side where you're like in the Everglades, but not yet in the park. And I've seen uh, tarpon at the spillway and I fished for tarpon, and, but I've never caught any. So I know once you get in there, I've seen a lot of peacocks um, swimming around there, but I, I haven't really fished there too much. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to try it out while I'm down for sure. And, and I'll give you a call. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, that is all of my fishing. Um, before we head out today, we have a fish of the week proposed by Tim himself. Tim, what is the fish of the week? All right, Tanner, way to put me on the spot. Um, well, when I was thinking of fish of the week this week, I, I got inspired because I saw one of these uh, earlier today. It is the slippery dick. Now, uh, normally Tanner kicks it to me first, but since I said slippery dick, that is the name of the fish. Tanner, what can you tell me about a slippery dick? The slippery dick's Latin name is Halochores bivatus. Um, it's a species of wrasse. So I honestly don't know if I've ever caught a slippery dick. 
A lot of those grasses change colors a lot as they go through different life phases. Um, so those small slippery dicks and small pudding wives look very similar. Um, I know I've caught a lot of larger pudding wives because when the pudding wives, the, the smaller ones look just like the slippery dicks, but the big ones um, are like blue and green. So they're very obvious. Uh, you'll catch them a lot when you're catching snapper. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a, a beautiful fish, a member of the wrasse family. They got some real gnarly teeth. And uh, they're very slippery. You know, you're 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 going to be in trouble if you uh, have to hold on to them for any extended period of time. What about you, Tim? Yeah, yeah, they're they're a funny little fish. Um, I, I see on different forums all the time. It seems like once a month someone posts, "What is this?" And then you know, asking for a fish ID, legitimate fish ID, which, which I would assume is legitimate. And then people just have a field day. Just oh, it's a slippery dick, ha ha. You know, it's you know pretty typical. It's cyclical. Every few months, it seems to happen. Um, I've caught, you know, what I would what I would consider confirmed slippery dicks in my cast net. Um, every once in a while, when I'm cast netting on the flats, I'll get some juveniles. Um, also caught what what I would assume them to be offshore um, on on different, you know, either structure or live bottom, fishing for snapper or jigging for bait. But they could be those pudding wives too. They they are, you know, really similar looking, and and you are right on the money when you said about those teeth they're a cool looking fish you know they can be very pretty but they got these scraggly teeth and it's just the funniest darn thing a tiny mouth with these raggedy teeth so they're definitely a very interesting fish um never eaten one but um i don't even know if, if you can eat them i, I mean they're in the ras family and other rasses taste good so uh, i'll let someone else try it first and report back well, I also want to make an important distinction. Um, I've just Googled slippery dick, and a lot of pictures are coming up of sand tilefish. So I know a lot of people call sand tilefish slippery dicks. Um, sand tilefish are an elongate tilefish, so they are long and skinny. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of confusion there. Uh, but the sand tile is not closely related. It's not a species of wrasse. Um, but people often call them colloquially the slippery dick, but they are not, in fact, actual slippery dicks. That's a good observation. Well, all right, guys, I think we're going to call it a week. Um, thanks for tuning in. Remember to give us five stars on iTunes. And if you have any questions, send them to me, Fish Facts TV, or send them to captain tim on instagram um, i just dropped a video today about my peacock bass fishing trip from sunday so uh like and give that one uh leave me a comment or something on youtube if you get to see that yeah i gotta check that video out i saw you posted that i know it seems to have been a little while since you posted one so i'll, I'll check it out and uh you know give you my pointers later uh, all kidding aside, as Tanner said, you know, um, drop us a, a review or a question or comment. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, guys. Catch you next time.